Otherwise, you know, I fell on Fig Sir by accident. I never knew of Fig Sir. In 1944, author Henry Miller was looking for a place to call home, a place where he could write and paint in peace, where he could enjoy nature. And I was just taken one day. I had never had any experience living in the country. Henry Miller grew up in Brooklyn. And for most of his life, he was very much a city person. First New York, later Paris, until he came to Big Sur. And if you've ever been there, or even if you've seen photos, it's not hard to understand why this rugged, scenic California coastline won him over. This beautiful, beautiful, steep mountainside is one thing, but one of the most beautiful things that that happens in Big Sur is that the ocean is flat like a mirror. And the air is clean and clear. You can see a knife-edge horizon. And you can see that knife-edge horizon 40 or 50 miles out to sea because you you yourself are standing at a 2,000 feet elevation. So it's an experience to see an ocean that is so huge that you can actually see the curvature of the Earth because you're standing so far up in the hill. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we visit the Henry Miller Memorial Library, tucked in among the towering redwoods of Big Sur. It describes itself as not a library where you can borrow books, not a memorial with dusty relics, and not Henry Miller's old home. So today, we try and figure out, if it's not any of that, what is it? More after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies West. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent, being there day and night, and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. My name is Magnus Torren. I am originally from Sweden. That explains my accent. I came to Big Sur in 1984. And in 1993, I took over the, the management of a place called the Henry Miller Memorial Library, which is a place dedicated to the American artist and author Henry Miller. For the last 30 years, Magnus Torren has been running the Henry Miller Memorial Library out of this small wooden cabin surrounded by massive redwood trees. It's this cozy, bohemian space full of Miller's books, artifacts from his life. Magnus first came to Big Sur as a young man, 
on his motorcycle. He was intent on seeing the beautiful scenery all around him. And shortly after that first visit, Magnus decided he just had to stay. It's almost exactly what happened to Henry Miller over 40 years earlier, back in 1944. He came to visit an artist friend of his in, in Monterey, which is the town just north of Big Sur. His name was Janko Varda, and Varda took him down to see this incredible coastline. And Henry said right away, according to his own mythology anyway, and his own story, he said that, oh, this is, this is where I'm going to live. This is where I want to do my work. He wrote his best friend, Emil White, a letter then saying that he has found paradise, and it's actually in America, and it's called Big Sur. By the time Henry Miller moved to Big Sur, he was already in his 50s. And at this point, he'd written a number of pretty well-known books. Technically fiction, but these books were stranger, more personal, and much more explicit than your run-of-the-mill novels. He actually wrote primarily to discover who he is in a spiritual or psychological sense. And so he didn't really sit down and think about a, for instance, a narrative arc, or this is what I'm going to communicate to people, and therefore I'm constructing these particular characters, for instance. I mean, he did not write fiction. He wrote a what he calls autobiographical romances. Miller wrote his early books while living this kind of bohemian existence in Paris. Of that time period, he wrote, I have no money, no resources, no hopes. I'm the happiest man alive. It's also when he did his best work. They're called the Paris books, and they are that's the Tropic of Cancer, Tropic of Capricorn, and Black Spring. These books were something new. A mix of philosophy, mysticism, and sex. Lots and lots of sex. And frankly, it was too spicy for America. Tropic of Cancer was published in 1934 and banned in the U.S. for almost 30 years. In his autobiographical romances, Tropic of Cancer being the most famous one, he wrote about sex in an extremely boisterous, sometimes almost comical and exaggerated manner, which in those days where you don't, didn't even mention the word f- for instance. In some ways, Henry Miller might best be considered as America's id. It's male heterosexual id, anyway writing from Paris about his sexual escapades, all from this pretty unabashedly penis-centric viewpoint, and all pretty filthy. So you can imagine the thrill of this young, mostly male generation of writers getting their hands on these banned books in the 40s and 50s. Henry Miller is the seed from which an entire era of writers germinated. After he left Paris in 1940, Miller moved around in the U.S. before he ultimately relocated to Big Sur at age 53. But he didn't do it alone. Within a year of his arrival, Miller's best friend, Emil White, joined him, moving nearby. They kept busy chopping wood, going on long walks in the redwood forests, and enjoying nature. It was a really peaceful setting for cranking out new novels, too. So he wrote a lot. He, he would sit with his oil lamp and, of course, utilize the daylight as much as possible because there was no electricity. It was a pretty uh, uh, sort of old-school country life up here. Miller lived in Big Sur for almost 20 years. He married and divorced twice in that time. But his best friend, Emil White, was his constant companion. When Miller died, 
it took a real toll on his friend Emil. Emil sat in his beautiful little cabin right next to the highway and felt lonely and was very sad about having lost his best friend. And having lost Henry, he felt, it's time for me to honor my friend. So why don't I open my own home to be a memorial to Henry Miller? Emil's home happened to be in a great location for visitors, easily accessible from the Pacific Coast Highway and in a setting that couldn't be more picturesque, at the bottom of a canyon surrounded by redwoods. That building was in, built in 1965, so it's not that old, but it's a, it's a classic little redwood cabin. Cypress and redwood and, and pine are the materials, and actually an oak floor. And uh, now it's just one, one kind of big room inside. And so Emil started transforming his home, this little log cabin, into a memorial for his late friend. He named it the Henry Miller Memorial Library. He stocked the 30 or so of Miller's books, the letters they'd sent each other, and he added philosophy and history books, books about Big Sur, all things that Miller had been into. But by the time he opened the space in 1981, Emil himself was 80 years old. This is where Magnus Torin enters the picture. In the mid-1980s, Magnus was getting to know the area. he just moved to Big Sur. And he had heard about this nearby memorial library. So he decided to stop by. He met Emil briefly and left it at that. I didn't pursue a friendship with him or, or didn't stop by very often. So it wasn't like I was so particularly engaged. Nearly a decade later, 1993, Magnus stopped by the Henry Miller Library again. And by this point he'd actually really delved into Henry Miller's catalog and fallen in love. So this time when he stopped by, he was ready to discuss Miller's work. But Miller's friend, Emil White, had been dead for a few years. And in fact, the future of the space itself was in jeopardy. The young man who was taking care of it told me that he was going to quit his job. In those days, it wasn't much happening there. It was very kind of quiet. But uh, I said, I'll do it. It's one thing to write a book, It's another thing to write books that connect so deeply that generations want to keep the author's memory alive. That a stranger that never met Henry Miller is willing to sit and tend a space dedicated to his books for 30 years. These days, besides keeping Henry Miller's books on the shelves, Magnus continually adds a mix of new and older books that are suggested by customers and fans of Miller. Basically, if Magnus thinks a title fits with the spirit of Henry Miller, he'll stock it much like Emil did when he first opened the library. Today, there's Henry Miller books on the shelves and hanging from the ceiling of the cabin. There are paintings on display by both Miller and his friend Emil, photos of the two of them, and posters made from Miller's most well-known book covers. We have a really nice, fun, curated bookstore, whimsical exhibits on the wall. It's a small, cozy space sitting in a vast expanse of nature. It calls itself a space where nothing happens, which, as it turns out, is a complete lie. That is the Red Hot Chili Peppers performing at the library in 2011. Magnus says that a lot of big-name bands are happy for a chance to play there. They're fans of Miller's. They're also fans of a place like that 
a place like Big Sur and a place like the library, because it's rare, you know, to have a gathering of people on a on a on a beautiful lawn, surrounded by these tall, majestic trees in an acoustic outdoor arena that many many sensitive performers find to have this peculiarly wonderful acoustics. Magnus says that well. Yes, there are Henry Miller superfans who see visiting the library as a kind of pilgrimage. The vast majority of folks who stop by don't know that much about Miller. And Magnus thinks that's great. After all, it is how he first came to the space. So we've we've kind of taken on the the notion, I, th- I feel anyway, that Henry Miller would be very happy about, which is to live your life and to promote humanities, to promote the arts, to promote self-discovery, to promote the things that are, you know, part of why life is such a fun thing. The Henry Miller Memorial Library is right off of Highway 1 in Big Sur. For a space where nothing happens, they've hosted everything from open mics to weddings to film screenings. And on the website, which we link to in the show notes, you can check out the events going on and see videos of the many musical performances that have happened in the library. Magnus also hosts a podcast called A Big Sur Podcast. Check it out. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. This episode was produced by Baudelaire. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Willis Ryder Arnold, Sarah Wyman, Manolo Morales, Gianna Palmer, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Gabby Gladney. Our technical director is Casey Holford. And this episode was mixed by Luce Fleming. If you want to learn more, be sure to visit atlasobscura.com. There is a link in the episode description. And our theme and end credit music is by Sam Tyndall. I'm Dylan Thuris. Wishing you all the wonder in the world. I will see you next time. Witness Docs from Stitcher. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than a life policy. It's about the promise and the responsibility that comes with being a new parent being there day and night and building a plan for tomorrow, today. For the ones you'll always look out for, trust Amica Life Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. From muddy jungle paths to snowy trails to rolling sand dunes, the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder is ready to take you to some of the most phenomenal destinations on Earth. In a Pathfinder, it's more than just the arrival. The real excitement comes from the ride to get there. With seven drive modes, Pathfinder's available intelligent four-wheel drive is built for some of the most epic journeys. So chase bigger, better, more exciting adventures in the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder. Intelligent four-wheel drive cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions.